And this whole series is designed to help you make some healing choices, some godly choices in your life that will set you on a process to set you free, to break you free from the hurts, the habits, the hang-ups that hold you captive. You know, if you're wondering why I'm doing a whole series on breaking free from all of this, well, the reality is if you, if you are honest with yourself, you will agree that in some way, shape, or form, we're all messed up. You know, we're all messed up in some way, shape, or form. Matter of fact, turn to somebody around you and say, you're messed up. You're messed up. Now, you can look at me and say, Pastor John, you're messed up. Do it. There you go. I'm messed up too. We're all messed up. We all stand in need of that which our Lord and Savior, the healing that he can provide. You know, uh, some of you in this room I know so well that, that I know that you've skipped right over the messed up and gone straight to whacked out. You know, we've got to find this healing. We've got to get on this, this process. We've got to start making some progress toward the healing that God wants to give us. You know, one of the things I've learned in 30-some years of ministry is this, and that is that, you know, we are really all pretty good at trying to hide and cover up our hurt and our pain. You know, we've gotten pretty good at trying to bury it and trying to cover it up. But let me tell you, you know, I told you before, that doesn't work. So I've got some good news for you today. And that is, you know, you can make a choice that will help you today to get on a process to break free. To, to, to let go of these hurts and habits and hang-ups that hold you captive. You know, with God's help, listen to me, you can be different. With God's help, you don't have to remain the same. With God's help, you can be set free. You know, and we find all these healing choices right in God's word in, uh, in, a, in Jesus' most famous sermon, which was a sermon on the mount. And he made some, he, matter of fact, he made eight statements. And he said something like this, folks, if you want to be blessed, if you want a fulfilled life, if you want to be happy, then you need to do these things. You know, I'm convinced that, that uh, those Beatitudes aren't called the Beatitudes for nothing because they are the attitudes God has called you to be. They're the attitudes that God has called you to be. So two weeks ago, I began by introducing the very first healing choice that Jesus wants us to make, and it's based on the very first beatitude. Go ahead and put it on the screen, Matthew 5, 3. It says this, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's say it together. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, it's coming from that is the reality choice. It's called the reality choice. And the reality choice that we make is this, where I realize that I'm not God and that I admit, first of all, that I need help and that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing. And many times my life, I find my life is unmanageable. Now, you know, the first choice there, the first part of that choice, realizing I'm not God, I told you before, I find that to be pretty easy. I don't have a God complex in my life. I know that I'm not God. I am nearly 60 years old. I'm 59 years old. And if you think, you know, if I were God, I certainly wouldn't look like like this, okay? I'd probably look more like this, you know? And, 
without all the Church of Scientology stuff, you know. But I would look something like that probably. You know, I, I'm sure, you know, that I know that I'm getting old because I, I spend more time cutting hair out of my ears and my nose than off the top of my head. You know, I have no God complex. I know that I'm broken. I know that I need help. I know that I am powerless to control my tendencies to do the wrong thing. And many times I find that my life is unmanageable. And if I ever forget that, my adult children remind me all the time that I just don't do many things right. Now, I don't know about you, but I can certainly relate to what the Apostle Paul had to say in, when he was writing to the church at Rome. And he said this, I really don't understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. I, instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what is right, but I can't. Now, maybe you can relate to, to that too. And that's week one. To recognize we're not God, we need help, and we are powerless to control the, our tendencies to do the wrong thing. Week one. Last week, last Sunday, I introduced the second healing choice that Jesus wants us to make if we're going to actually get rid of those, break free from the hurts, habits, and hang-ups that hold us captive. And it's based on the second statement of Jesus where he said this in Matthew 5, 4, blessed are those who what? Who mourn for they will be Comforted, right, from mourn to comfort, from mourn to comfort, sadness to comfort. And it's called the hope choice. We make a choice to put our hope in Christ where we say, I genuinely believe that God exists. I genuinely believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that God has the power to help me change. You know, here's the thing, folks. Your life, my life, is going to constantly be peppered with hurts and pains. But we can be comforted by a God who is absolutely crazy about you, no matter how much you've messed up. We can be comforted by that God who, who when, no matter what I've done, no matter what I've messed up, God has the power to help me change, to transform my life into something wonderful, to something beautiful. And let me tell you, folks, that certainly gives me hope. But I got to tell you, you know, if we simply stop here at the hope choice, if we, if we say, you know, I acknowledge the reality that I'm broken and that I need help, you know, and we, we get to uh, uh, acknowledge the hope choice. I do believe that God exists. I matter to him, and I know that God has the power to help me change. But if we simply stop there, if we simply know it, but never do anything with it, it doesn't do anything for us. It's not enough. It doesn't transform us. It doesn't change our life. You know, we've got to do more than simply know it. We've actually got to make a commitment to it. In fact, I'll give you an example. You, you and I, all of us in this room, know things that have never changed our life. We know lots of things that have never actually changed our life, but we know them. For example, I know for a fact that if you can't fix something with duct tape and WD-40, it can't be fixed. All right? It can't be fixed. If you can't fix it with duct tape and WD-40, you might as well just hang it up. I know that to be true, but that doesn't change my life. That doesn't make me better. You know, uh, what I'm saying is that we've got to have something bigger, something grander, something greater 
That's what we long for, something that can transform us. I mean, for goodness sake, Satan know, knew all of that about God, and look where it got him. You know, he knew that God loves us. He knew that God cares about us. He knows that God has the power to help us change, but look where it got him. You know, fortunately for us, God gives us a third healing choice. A third choice that we have to make, and this is critical one. It is absolutely critical for everything else that comes after this. Because if we don't make this choice, then we're stuck. We never move to, be bro- to, to break free. In fact, it's the commitment choice. And it says this, I consciously choose to commit all of my life and will to Christ's care and control. Let's say that together. I consciously choose to commit all of my life and will to Christ's care and control. Critical peace that we must make, a choice that we must make. And I want to tell you, you know, once again, all of this is based on the statements of Jesus. When he spoke to his audience on the Sermon on the Mount, he was saying, look, I want you to be happy, and if you want to be happy, you need to do this. If you want to be blessed, if you want your life to be uh, fulfilled, then you need to do these things. You need to make these choices. You need to put this in practice in your own life. And here's what the commitment choice is based on the third beatitude, and it is Matthew 5, 5 that says, we're going to read it together, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Take your pen or pencil, circle the two words, the meek. I've underlined them for you on your outline. I want you to circle them on your page. You know, when you read that, blessed are the meek, I mean, almost you just kind of trip right there and stop and think, you know, my gosh, here Jesus goes again. You know, he's turning conventional wisdom on its head again. You know, here was Jesus, this radical guy who made some radical statements uh, and called his audience to make radical decisions if they're going to follow him. If they're going to be the followers, then you've got to make radical decisions. And he was calling us to make radical decisions. Remember, he started out by saying, blessed are, uh, blessed are those who, uh, excuse me, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of God. And we say, who wants to be poor in spirit? Well, we've got to know what that means, right? Then he says, blessed are the uh, are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Well, who wants to who wants to mourn? You know, we've got to know what that means. What are we mourning about? And now he's saying, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. What in the world is meekness all about? You know, because none of you, I am sure, none of you, I'm sure, uh, go into the marketplace that is going to your job uh, with the idea, I'm going to be meek. No, you go in because most of you got to swim with the sharks, right? You don't go for meekness, you go to swim with the sharks. For those of you who grew up playing sports, let's say maybe on a football team, you never heard the coach say, you know, I want you to go after that quarterback and nurture him. You know, give him a little love, you know? Never. You know why we don't think that way is because we consider meekness is weakness. Meekness, we think, equates to 
meekness, we believe, equates to weakness. And you know what? That's not what this is all about at all. Not all about at all. In fact, the Greek word that was translated in our scriptures into English as the word meek describes a wild animal whose wild spirit has to be broken by a trainer. And you might think, well, why in the world does this animal have to be broken by a trainer? Why does the spirit have to be broken? In order to make the animal useful. In order to make the animal useful. Let me put a picture in your mind. Imagine a wild stallion. A wild stallion, an incredible horse that can run like the wind, that can pull plows through the field. Well, that's no spirit of weakness right there. That's not a picture of weakness. A tamed stallion is a powerful image of strength under control. In fact, I want you to write this in because it's so true. Meekness is strength under control. Put it on the screen. Meekness is strength under under control right there. I want you to write that in. When I talk about this strength under control, I'm not talking about being nice. I'm not talking about a lack of conviction. I'm talking about courage under fire, ladies and gentlemen. That's what meekness is. It's strength under control, courage that's under fire, conviction with a gentle spirit that comes from the infusion of God's spirit into your life. That's what meekness is. It is not this lack of conviction. It has nothing to do with weakness. In fact, it's the very opposite. Picture that stallion running through like the wind, pulling the plows through the field. Why is that animal useful? Because its strength is under control. That's what meekness is. In fact, it's the spirit of Christ. It's the spirit of Jesus. Check this out. 1 Peter chapter 2. Look what Peter said. He said, Christ, who suffered for you, is your example. Follow in his steps. He never sinned. He never told a lie. He never answered back when he was insulted. When he suffered, he didn't threaten to get even. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. Not only did Jesus say, blessed are the weak, he modeled it. He lived it. He gave you an example of what strength under control looks like, what courage under fire looks like. You can see it modeled in the life of Jesus. And let me tell you something this. I want to tell you this, ladies and gentlemen. That's exactly what Jesus wants from you. It's exactly what God wants from you. This idea that you are strong under control. The strength under control, that you have courage under fire. And that courage doesn't rise up from within you out of your own self. It is the infusion of God's spirit into your life. In fact, check this out. Paul had this to say to the church at Ephesus. The Christians there, he called them and said, be completely what? Humble and 
gentle. Be humble and gentle. That's an idea, picture of what it means to be meek, to have courage under fire, strength under control. Be humble and gentle. In fact, you remember Moses from the Old Testament. What a leader Moses was, right? I mean, met God in a burning bush and then followed God's call to go back to Egypt where he was a wanted man, to face the Pharaoh, to demand the Pharaoh, that he let God's people go, that they may come and worship him. And then he went back 10 times to see the Pharaoh demanding this. Finally, Pharaoh relented. They went out. They were standing there at the edge of the Sea of Reeds or what we often call the Red Sea. And there God opened the sea and made a way where there was no way. And he led the Israelites across. He led them through the wilderness where they were uh, needing food and where they were needing water. And where they had to set up uh, rules on how to live and treat one another. Let me tell you, this man was, uh, did not model weakness. This man, Moses, modeled uh, meekness. Not weakness, but meekness. In fact, we find this in the Old Testament, this scripture, Numbers 12, 3, about Moses. Look at this. Now Moses, now the man Moses was very, what? He was very meek, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. Wow, what a statement. That man Moses, courage under fire, strength under control. He didn't model weakness, he modeled meekness. That's who he was. And get this. You know, with God, meekness wins. With God, meekness wins. It's what separated Moses from everybody else on the face of the earth. God says, meekness, strength tempered with humility, is the heart that I want from you. That's what he's calling you to be about. That's what he wants from you. Yeah, it's radical. But he calls those of us who are willing to follow him to live on a different level. And what's that level? You know, when we, when we understand what meekness is, we understand that meekness is a confidence in who I am. Would you write it in? A confidence in who I am. Meekness is a confidence in who I am. I'm not talking about self-confidence. We have plenty of that going around. It's not getting us very far. When I, when I say when, when I see people who are constantly boasting about their achievements, constantly boasting about themselves, talking about themselves, pointing out what they've done and it's all about them. Let me tell you, I don't see this confidence in who they are. You know what I see in that? Insecurity. That's insecurity, folks. This is not the kind of thing, this is not meekness at all. What I'm talking about when I say it's a confidence in who I am, listen to me. This is a confidence in who I am in light of who God is. I know who I am because I know who God is. I know who I am in light of who God is. Let me be personal, give you an example. My name is John Carlton Spate Jr. I am 59 years old and I am a sinner. I am a sinner. I'm not perfect. There are times when I have less than godly thoughts. 
There are times when I say something or do something that I know ends up hurting somebody that I deeply care about, and in turn, it ends up hurting me. There are times when I am afraid. Full confession, every time I walk up those stairs and stand here in front of you, I am afraid. My stomach ties up in knots. I'm afraid. I, I hate conflict. I despise it. And I see so many folks in our society consumed by it. Whether you're within the church or outside of the church. But with that, sometimes I struggle with people-pleasing. And there are other things about my life, ladies and gentlemen, that I flat out don't like. And some of you hear that and say, my gosh, that guy ought to resign. (laughs) But you know, what you probably ought to be thinking, although the details may change, is that sounds a whole lot like me. There are things about my life that I don't like, and I don't like them because I know that I'm broken. There are things about me that I know are displeasing to others and displeasing to God because I know that I struggle, I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing. I am not perfect. I am a sinner, but I am saved by grace in Jesus Christ. You see, meekness is a confidence in who I am. I know I am broken, but I know that I am loved. In light of who God is, I know who I am. And that brings me to point number two, so you can understand what meekness really is. It's a confidence not only in who I am, change the screen, it is a confidence in whose I am. Write that down. There's a difference there, folks. You hear the difference? It's a, not only is it a confidence in who I am, but it's a confidence in whose I am. You know who I am? I'm a child of the king. This broken guy that stands before you, this sinner who's saved by grace, this guy who's got all these different problems in life, let me tell you, I know who, whose I am. I belong to Jesus Christ. I am a child of the King. I have put my faith and trust in the one who has died on the cross for payment for my sin so that I know 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 that I am loved by God and that I belong to him. That's who I am. And I have a confidence in that. Yeah, I am broken, but I can tell you what, I am loved. I am broken, but I am a child of the king. In fact, 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 says it just like this. It says, every, oh, well, let me find out what it says. Every, <laughs> every, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is what? A child of the king. Yeah, a child of God. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is a child of God. You know, folks, I've got a new identity. Well, I stand before you all tied up in knots to speak to you this morning. I've got a brand new identity. Yeah, I'm broken and I know it. 
but there's a confidence in whose I am because I'm a child of the king. Let me tell you how meekness plays into this point. And this is a very important thing. You see, if I'm not meek, listen to me, if I'm not meek, if I don't have that that strength under control and that courage under fire and know that I'm humble and gentle, if I am not meek, I cannot admit my brokenness. Without meekness, I can't admit that I fall short. If I'm not broken, I can't admit that I need God, that I need help, that I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing. If I am not meek, if I don't have that strength under control, that confidence in who I am because I know whose I am, I cannot admit that I'm messed up too. And I stand in need of help. Let me tell you, meekness is no weakness. It is a confident humility that reminds me who I am because I know whose I am. And so I'm going to ask you to make a commitment today because it's not enough simply to know it. It's not enough to be able to say, yeah, I know that I'm broken. It's not enough to say, yeah, I know I need God. It's not enough to say, I believe that God exists. It's not enough to say, I believe God has the power to change me. If you stop there, you're stuck exactly where you are. It makes no difference simply to know it. It comes to a time where we've got to commit ourselves. When we say, I stand committed I commit myself to to this, to to choosing. I'm consciously choosing to place all of my life and all of my will under the control and care of Christ. Let's break that down so we know how to make this decision. When we say I consciously, I want you to write beside those two words this. It's my decision. I'm going to, I consciously, it's my decision. It's nobody else's decision but yours. Nobody can force you to make that decision. It's not your wife's decision. It's not your husband's decision. It's not your children's decision. It's not your fiance's decision. It's not your boyfriend or girlfriend's decision. It's got to be yours. You and only you can make the decision to commit. So to consciously do it is your decision And then, what are you consciously doing? You're choosing to commit. You're choosing to commit. And what do I mean by that? I mean this. You got to do it over and over and over again. To to make that commitment is not a once and done thing. To be on the, the process, God's process to healing and wholeness is not once and done. It's not once and you're finished. It's an over and over a thing. It's an everyday thing. Every day, God, I consciously choose to commit. I am making the choice today. It's not enough to have made it yesterday or a year from a year ago. You got to make that choice every day. And those who are in recovery know exactly what I'm talking about. It is a daily decision over and over and over again. And what are, we, what are we doing? What are we choosing to commit? We're choosing to give all of my life and will. And you know what that means? It means this, everything. 
It means all that you are. It means all that you have. It means everything about your life, all about your will, that you surrender it all. You surrender it all to Christ. Everything. Not holding back anything. It's sweeping the house clean. It's cleaning, cleaning your life's closets out and bringing light into that darkness. All of my life, I consciously make a decision and I choose to commit over and over again everything, all of my life and all of my will and I'm making this commitment to put everything where? Under Go ahead and switch to Christ's care and control, under the care of Christ. And I want you to write these words in because, oh, it, they mean so much, because you've got to be reminded that he loves you. How can you commit everything? Only when you know that you are loved by God beyond all that you can imagine, because beyond anything that you can even begin to think. That's how much he loves you. He loves you that much. And some of you are thinking, my goodness, Pastor, I am hurting and I am so wounded. I hear you. And I want you to know that God cares about you. He was wounded on the cross too. He was wounded for you so that you may know how much he loves you. So that you can have enough confidence to know who you are in light of who God is and whose you have become. He was wounded for you. Some of you are experiencing a relationship loss right now. Let me tell you what, God cares about you. Some of you are dealing with financial issues right now. I get it. I've been there. God cares about you. Some of you are struggling with a secret habit or a secret sin. God cares about you. And he wants to set you free. Some of you are dealing with unemployment right now. God cares about you. He cares. When you commit all of your life and will under the control of Christ, the Spirit of God enters you and fills you with a new love and a new desire. You don't have to walk this journey by yourself. That's what this church is about. We come together as a family to walk the journey with one another, knowing that we're all messed up. We walk the journey together. And you're a part of a church that has been willing to put time and energy and resources into bringing about a recovery ministry that will help to break you free through the grace and love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. I'm going to introduce you to, to someone within our congregation. You probably have met her before. Her name is Lauren. This is her testimony about how when she gave her life, put all of her life, surrendered her life to the care and control of Christ, where she found healing. When she made the commitment, here it is. 
My name is Lauren and I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who is a trauma survivor. Um, going through trauma really impacted me and led me to really struggle with post-traumatic symptoms. All I knew is that I was hurting. I was having nightmares and flashbacks and um, really feeling anxious and like I wasn't in a safe place, even with the people who had known me beforehand. So ironically, when I needed God the most, I turned away and, and I began using drugs to just get by every single day. And I was coping in an unhealthy way and not everyone knew what had happened, so that made it a little more difficult. I think that my rock bottom was when I dropped out of high school and I, you know, had stopped making music, which up until that point, music was my entire life. And I just got to this point of feeling hopeless and so desperate for something in my life to change. And it was, it was just a moment of surrender. And, and I'd love to say everything changed at once, but it was really a process. It was a process of coming back into the church, learning how to trust people again, learning how to allow God, God's love to really help me understand the ways I had both been harmed, but also to release the shackles of shame that I, I carried. Eventually, this turned into me going to see a professional trauma therapist and, you know, church community really, really helped to um, bring me back to a place of, of wholeness and healing and to be in that process again. Say since that time where I recommitted my life to Christ, that um, I have found freedom from all drug abuse. And that's all just thanks be to God. My daily life today looks incredibly different. After dropping out of high school and surrendering to God in the midst of the mess that I had made and the collateral damage that I had caused in my own life, I got to a point where I returned to school because I felt a call to ministry. So at that point, I enrolled at a community college um, I had to work hard to catch up and I transferred over to a four-year college, graduated from there and proceeded to get two master degrees. So I'm able to weave both ministry and social work together now as your wellness and recovery ministry leader. I can't thank God enough to really have brought me to a place where I can be on the journey with you. You know something, folks, that takes guts to be on that video and to, to share with you the struggle that nearly brought her down until she made a surrender, a commitment to put all of her life and will under the care of Christ. You know, if, if you're going to make that kind of commitment, you've, you've got to be meek. You've got to be humble. You've got to be able to set your pride aside and say, okay, I've been trying to do it my way, God, but clearly that hasn't worked because I'm still just as messed up as ever before. I need healing. 
And I know it only comes when I surrender to you. So I'm going to ask you again, are you willing to make that kind of commitment? To put all of your life and will under the care and control of Christ. It is the commitment choice. Are you willing to trust him? That he can set you free. Let's pray together. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come now gathered in your name, admitting that we need help, that we are absolutely broken, that we are powerless to, to control our tendency to do the wrong thing, and often we find our life is absolutely unmanageable. But we do trust in you and know that you exist and that, that we matter to you, and we're making a conscious decision to allow you access, Lord, so that you may change us with the power of your Holy Spirit. And we know, God, you know, that simply knowing those things is not enough unless we make a commitment to them. To those choices that we are going to, that we are going to commit to those choices. And so, Lord, I consciously choose to surrender all of my life and my will and place it under your care and control. I ask, Heavenly Father, that you take us on this journey together to healing and to wholeness, that we may be found blessed. Thank you, Lord. We love you and praise you. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. We're going to invite our ushers to come forward. We are blessed to be a part of this church. And God has asked that we return his tithes and our offerings. Heaven is 
disciples around the table, he really brought with him a messed up group. They had all kinds of problems, they had all kinds of hurts, they had all kinds of struggles, and yet he brought them around the table and called them to be his disciples. It just reminds us that, that if he called them to be around the table, let me tell you, there's room around the table for you as messed up as you are and as messed up as I am. You're messed up. You are too. And he's right. When Jesus was around that table, he took a loaf of bread and he broke that bread. And he said to his disciples, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And as often as you drink it, or eat it, remember me. And then after supper, he took a cup, and he gave his heavenly Father thanks and praise. And he said to the guys, he said, this is the new covenant, the new covenant, the new covenant. In my blood poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of your sin. And as often as you drink this, Remember me. And we do just that today. We remember 
that we are welcome around the table with all of our baggage, with all of our stuff. You know, I, I say all the time that, that God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you so much that he doesn't want to leave you the way you are. So we come for healing, for wholeness, and know that there is room around God's table. So let's pray. Lord, over the gifts of the bread and the juice, may they be for us the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God, and what we want is to be your body who's been redeemed by your blood. Thank you, Lord, for inviting us, the messed up, around your table. We are grateful that we may feast on your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Communion stewards, would you please get in place across the worship?